Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we're continuing the series we're calling Character Under Construction, and we're looking at the life of Joseph and how God worked in his life um, through all the experiences of his life to shape him and refine him and prepare him for what he had wanted him to do all along. And so what we're looking at is the same way that God shaped Joseph's life is the same way that he works in each and every one of our lives. Different circumstances, but the same principles all the way through. And it's all about God developing you into the person that he intended you to be, developing your character. Because no matter what you accomplish in life, or no matter what you may want to accomplish in life, more important than any of your accomplishments is your character, who you become in the process. And so that's why we're looking at the life of Joseph. And as we've been watching him so far, most of it's been pretty much down. Things are about to make a change for him. And we're going to look at that together this morning. And as we do, you're going to discover how the way that he navigated both the lows and the highs of his life um, come into great play into your life. And maybe you're here this morning and, and maybe you're not a Christ follower. You're not sure what you believe about God. Maybe that's what brought you here this morning. But I hope this morning... As we go through this, you're going to begin to realize God is working in your life whether you know it or not. And it could very well be that he has you here this morning for this particular message. So we're going to pick up the story. It's in Genesis chapter 41. And uh, I invite you to take out your, uh, your Bibles that are there on the seats by you or uh, your smartphone or your iPad or however you want to follow along. Genesis 41. Um, it's a long chapter. We're going to do a little bit of skipping just um, for sake of time. Um, but here we go. Genesis 41 beginning in verse 1. So when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Must have been that pepperoni pizza. (laughs) Story goes on. He fell asleep again and had had a second dream. Seven heads of of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted. Thin and scorched by the east wind. Then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up, and it had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent to the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dreams. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So, Joseph, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. 
And skip on down to verse 25, because Pharaoh relates these dreams back to Joseph. And then in verse 25, Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that it's a matter that that has firmly been decided by God, and God will do it soon. Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food in these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used when the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So the Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there was no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. And only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. This is a huge turnaround. (laughs) This is a huge turnaround for Joseph. That all of these years of adversity suddenly turn around, and now he is second only to Pharaoh, the king. He goes from the lowest pit, if you will, to the highest position of authority that could possibly be there for anyone else besides Pharaoh. This huge change, this huge low to high transition is a great, great um, uh, teaching for us in here because there's some things about this, about navigating both the lows and the highs of life and how God uses all of those to shape our character. So we're going to kind of watch this trail go through again, and we're going to go through it a little bit piece by piece, and how God can shape you through adversity, how God can give you opportunities and how to recognize them, and then how to handle the successes when they come. So we're going to start with this. In the adversity, times of adversity, let your confidence in God carry you. Let your confidence in God be the thing that carries you through times of adversity. Chapter 41 starts with this sentence. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Now, you got to stop right there because if you don't know the story so far, you don't know the significance of two more years. So let me back up. If if you haven't been here for the story, if you haven't read it, you're not familiar with it, I'm going to give you kind of a quick, quick overview. Up until now, most of Joseph's adult life has been through adversity. At 17 years old, Um, His brothers sell him off into slavery. Actually, they planned to kill him, but they figured they could make some money on the deal, so they decided to sell him instead. The reason they do that is because his father has shown him great favoritism. He's given this coat, of this amazing technicolor dream coat, which wasn't so much about the color as it was the position of authority that it gave him. That being the youngest kid in the family, he is now given a place of prominence. And of course, that doesn't sit too well with his brothers. 
And he has these incredible dreams. And those don't sit too well with his brothers. And so they decide they're going to kill him. But instead of doing that, they find they could sell him into slavery. So they sell him into the slave traders who are passing through and on their way down to Egypt. And that's where things start to go downhill. Joseph gets sold into slavery. He gets sold to a man named Potiphar. And he starts at the bottom there. And, and just as he starts to make his way up, um, all of a sudden something else happens. And now he's back in the bottom again. The wife of Potiphar accuses him of rape. And so he's thrown into prison. And he spends 11 years in that prison. And after 11 years, this butler, the chief cupbearer, and the baker of King Pharaoh also get thrown into prison. And they have these dreams. And they bring them, and, and Joseph um, interprets them for him. And they happen exactly as we saw, exactly like they were said. That the baker is, is put to death, and the butler is restored to his position of authority. And then we get to this place in the story. Two full years have passed. Two more years. After seeing like this was maybe an opportunity to get out of this place. Maybe it's a chance. Every time, In fact, this is what happens. You find in his story. Every time it looks like things are about to turn around for Joseph, he gets slammed right back down. He makes his way to the top of the chain um, in, in Potiphar's house, the head slave. And boom, accused of rape, ends up in jail. And then he, because of his diligence there in the dungeon, in the prison, he works his way up and he becomes second only to the chief jailer, the warden of the prison. And thinks it's going to all turn out now because he can interpret these dreams. And and as the butler and baker go back to the king um, and and receive what was promised in the dreams, he says to to the butler, remember me. Don't forget me. When you get up there and you got a chance to talk to the king, let him know I've been stuck here in prison. And he thinks, this is my out. And he's forgotten. Two more years. Every time it looks like he's about to make a breakthrough, bam, he's slammed back down. In the middle of adversity, we're really tempted to think, what's the use? What's the use? Every time he tries to do the right thing, he gets slammed back down. And that's kind of what happens. Every time it appears like maybe you're making some headway, maybe it, maybe it appears like, okay, this is my big breakthrough, this is going to be my opportunity, and boom, you get slammed back down. And every time that happens, it just kind of takes you down another notch, and you begin to wonder, why do I bother? Why do I bother to do the right thing? Why do I bother maintain my integrity? Why bother trusting in God? Because look at where it's, look at where it's, I'm ending up. This isn't doing me any good. The one thing that you find in Joseph's story, and you got to go back actually to chapter 39 when he's in jail. Because there's this one sentence that repeats itself over and over again, all the way through chapter 39. In verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Verse 20, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Verse 23, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Joseph, I'm kind of going like, whoa, 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 time out. God, could you go be with someone else for a while? (laughs) I mean, it's all great that you're with me and all, and it's wonderful maybe that you're with me here in prison, but I don't want to be in prison. Why don't you just go be with someone else for a while? Go be with my brothers, okay? Be with them a lot, okay? Why bother? 
Why bother? But it was that sense that God was with him, even through the adversity, that kept him going. When tempted to sacrifice his integrity, when tempted to give up on God, when tempted to feel just, what's the use, you know, forget this nonsense. The one thing that carried him through was a sense that God was still with him. And you might be in a time of adversity right now. You might be at one of those low points in your life. You might be in the pit this morning. And you're wondering, what's the use? I keep trying to do the right thing, and it's getting me nowhere. And especially when I look around, I see other people shading, the, you know, doing it in a little bit shady ways, going into that gray area where I know I can't go. And I see them getting away with it. I see them prospering because of it. I see them getting ahead of me. And here I am trying to do the right thing. See, our character is forged in times of adversity. And the one thing that carried Joseph through, and the one thing that I want you to be able to take with you this morning is, God's with you. You might feel like you are in the pit, but you're not alone. And let your confidence and your trust in God carry you through that time of adversity. And things change. Things change. Joseph's given an opportunity. Here's a, here's a second lesson, a little take home. Look for God's hand when the opportunities come along. Because see, God is working behind the scenes all of this time. Joseph has no idea what's going on. He's just sitting in that prison for two more years. Every day thinking, maybe today. Maybe today they'll remember. Maybe today the cupbearer will say something. Maybe today Pharaoh will come and, and, and release me. Maybe today's the day. And it says two full years passed. He's languishing in prison thinking maybe today and nothing's happening. You might ask why. Why two more years? Why, why, why didn't God just release him right away? Why didn't God work a little bit faster in all of this thing? And the truth is we don't know. We don't know why it took two more years. Maybe it had something to do with the butler, the cupbearer. Maybe he didn't feel comfortable having just been restored to his own position to speak up for somebody else. Maybe he thought he was still on shaky ground. Maybe it wasn't until two years later when, jo- when Pharaoh has these dreams that it, he feels so guilt, such guilt for forgetting for two years that he finally says something. Maybe it had something to do with Joseph. Maybe it had something to do that Joseph just wasn't quite ready yet. We don't know. But what we do know is that when the opportunity comes up, Joseph is a different person. Pharaoh has these dreams, and he calls, hears about Joseph, and he has them called before him. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Listen to Joseph's reply. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. That's a very, very different Joseph than the Joseph 17 years old who couldn't wait to tell his brothers about all these great dreams he had. He's changed. The time of adversity has, tried, has, has changed him, and, and he hasn't lost his self-confidence completely, but it's been tempered now with a greater confidence in God. He's learned some things about himself, and he's learned some things about his God. And in essence, his answer to the Pharaoh is, I don't have all the answers, but I know a God who does. Now, again, what you got to understand about 
Egypt is pharaohs were considered to be gods, incarnations of God for the people. And so to say before Pharaoh, who everybody considered to be God, you're not God, but there is a God who's over you, little God. (laughs) And he's got the answers you're looking for. That took great courage. How could he do that? Because he had learned to recognize God's pattern of working in his life. He had learned to recognize God's hand in his life. I truly, truly believe that because you find this when you get a little bit further down. He says, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Notice he says that. It's been given twice to you and here's why. This is, see, this is what Joseph had discovered about his own relationship with God. That God had this certain pattern of working in his life and revolved around dreams, but not just dreams, pairs of dreams. You remember all the way back when he was 17, he had two dreams about being elevated and others bowing down to him. When he was in prison, there were two dreams, two separate people, but two dreams, the butler and the baker. And now he's standing before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is telling him two dreams. And I'm sure it dawns on Joseph, okay, this is a God thing here. (laughs) This isn't just another dream. This isn't just some crazy thing. This is something of God. And he recognized this was a God opportunity. Sometimes I have people come and they're, they're, they're facing some big decisions in life or maybe a major life change decision or something like that and said, I don't know what to do. You know, how do I know what God, how do I know God's direction for my life? How do I know God's will in this situation? And usually when I talk to people like that, I say, you know what? I can't answer that for you. But here's what I can tell you about my own life. I have noticed God works in certain ways in my life. I have noticed over the years, certain patterns in which God has moved me in certain directions. Now, I don't know what that pattern is for you this morning. I know what it is for me. But I think it becomes very, very important for us to learn to discover God's pattern directing your life, whatever that might be. Because, see, God has this way of weaving together all of the circumstances of our lives in ways that we don't recognize. Joseph can do nothing about his situation. He is two more years in prison. He has no idea what's going on in the outside world. And then God does something supernaturally from completely beyond Joseph's ability. He gives a dream, two dreams, to Pharaoh. That God is at work behind the scenes, completely unbeknownst to Joseph. But when Joseph hears about it, he recognizes the pattern. You might be able to look back on your life, and maybe you didn't even recognize it at the time, but you can look back and you go, you know what? If that had not happened, as miserable as that experience might have been, that would not have made me the person that I am today. There are some things that can only be learned in times of adversity. But when you learn those lessons and you begin to understand that God is weaving all the experiences in your life for his purposes in you, when you stop for a moment and look back on your life and go, wow, God was doing that. And and this person he brought into my life at just the right time. And this situation, which I didn't get at all at the time. Now I look back and I go, wow, that was God. And you may not even be a believer, but I want to tell you, God is orchestrating behind the scenes in ways that you can't recognize right now. But he is moving and working in your life to move you in his direction. And if you are a Christ follower, you need to understand, how does God work in your life? 
What are the patterns so that you can recognize his hand when those opportunities come up and recognize this isn't just my doing. This is a God thing here. Because he knew the pattern and he recognized that this was a God thing. And because God had already refined him through the time of adversity, now he speaks up. And he says, listen, here's the interpretation of your dream. But here's what you need to do about it. You need to find somebody who can be put in charge of this whole project. You need to find somebody who can start a saving campaign through the seven years of plenty so that when the seven years of of drought come, you're ready for them. You need to find that person. Now, he doesn't say, I'm that person. He just puts the idea out there. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God made this all known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be put in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. All those years of waiting, all those years of preparation are now coming to fruition. But the thing is, see, had he not gone through the adversity, had he not begun to recognize God's pattern, he would not have gotten to this opportunity. And the job that he's about to take on is a huge, huge task. But you see, when he was back in Potiphar's house, he learned how to manage a household. He learned how to handle the budget. He learned how to run things and make things happen and keep things orderly, so much so that Potiphar trusted him with everything. And then when he got thrown in jail, he learned how to manage people and how to take care of needs. And everything that he learned through those 13 years of adversity were all the things that he was going to need for the job ahead. He was going to need the patience that he had learned. He was going to need the resourcefulness. He was going to need the diligence. He was going to need the managing property skills. He was going to need every bit of those things that he learned for 13 years because now he's going to be given a bigger task. And here's the thing. When you recognize God's pattern in your life, when you begin to understand how he is developing you and shaping you, when you look back, it gives you a greater sense of what your future might be. And you understand that when you learn to be faithful in the little things, God entrusts you with more things. And whether it's a time of adversity or a time of opportunity for you right now, God has something more for your life. And that's where we go with the third thing. Because where you go when you hit those times of successes are going to be incredibly important. Leverage your successes for the benefit of others. See, that's what Joseph does. With all, with all that he's been through, one of the things that Joseph has learned through all of this is this is not about him. He's risen now to the number two position in all of Egypt. He is given absolute authority and control. No one answers, everybody answers to him except the Pharaoh himself. Now, when you move to a position of success from such a low point like that, there's a lot of temptations that come with that. There's, we have a saying, At power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And yet you see none of that happening in Joseph. And if he had, believe me, it would have been in there because we already know from the story so far, the writers have made pretty clear where Joseph had made his mistakes along the way. But there's no hint of malfeasance. There's no hint of of, of corruption. There's no hint of of, of using this now to pad his own bank account. There's no sense of Joseph's bitterness. With all that he has been through, there's not this bitterness or this sense of now entitlement. Like, okay, I have paid my dues. Now it's a little bit of Joe time here, okay? Now I get a little bit. I get a little bit of payback here. It's okay for me to take a little bit of an extra cut for myself because after all, I have paid my dues. 
There's none of that. What you find instead is his faithfulness is fully directed to the task at hand. And it's not just about him. See, that's the thing that he had learned through all of these years. See, while adversity is the thing that forges our character, success is what reveals it. How you handle the successes in your life show how well you've learned the lessons along the way. For Joseph, he navigates this in a great way. He takes his responsibility, and it's not about him. One of the things that he recognizes is that God's hand has been on his life, and the blessings he's received from God are not because of him, and they're not just for him. He's been given a responsibility to care for other people. And the lessons that he learned for caring for the prisoners when he was in the dungeon all those years have now shaped how he cares for the people. See, with success comes responsibility. And maybe you're at a high point in your life right now. Maybe things are on the upswing. Maybe you just got a promotion. Maybe you just got a raise. Here's the deal. God didn't do that in your life just for you. And you need to learn how to leverage your successes for the sake and benefit of other people. See, if you've just gotten a promotion, part of what you should be asking yourself, besides God, I'm so thankful that you gave me that raise, you gave me that promotion. If you've gotten that promotion, part of your responsibility now is to start thinking, how can I use this position now to benefit somebody else? It might be mentoring a younger employee. It might be taking on um, someone else and help them through with their career. Just stop and ask yourself, if you are in a position of success, if you have a little bit extra, if you are, have a little bit extra financially, it's not just for you. You know, we go in, we're going into the Thanksgiving season, and one of the things, it's great to be thankful for all that God has provided for you, but part of the responsibility that comes with success is how do I leverage this for the benefit of somebody else? And if you've got a little bit extra, and, and you may not think you're a success because you're judging by everybody else around you, you seem much more successful than you and seem to have much more than you do. Listen, if you have any bit extra, you are a success by the standards of most people in this world. You are in that top 5%, top 3%, top 1% of this world. And one of the questions that you and I need to ask ourselves on a regular basis, and Thanksgiving is a great time to do that, is to say, instead of just saying, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me, is to stop and think, God, how do you want me to leverage what you've given me for the benefit of somebody else? Because see, that's what Joseph does. He doesn't use this. In fact, we're going to see this next week when we see what he can really do when he's got this power now and he's really got an opportunity to leverage it for himself. He doesn't do that. It says, During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully and Joseph collected all the fruit produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. He was diligent in the savings so that, verse 56, when the famine had spread in the whole country, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. Every time you get an advance, every time you get a promotion, every time you experience a success, I want to challenge you with this. To just stop for a moment and say, God, I'm so grateful for your blessing on my life. Now, 
How do you want me to leverage this for the benefit of somebody else? So that's what Joseph had learned through the adversity, through the opportunities, and even in the successes. It wasn't about him. It was about what God wanted to do through him. And because of that, he was able to navigate not just the lows, but the highs as well. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Thank you.